Welcome to Visma Ski Classics podcast, Livigno to Levy. Visma Ski Classics is the long distance ski championships with 12 pro tour events and 35 pro teams, bringing professional and recreational skiers together. We will analyze the events on the tour, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. Hello, folks. Once again, it's time for Livinio to Levy podcast. I'm here uh, with uh, Simon Östersen. My name is Temo Virtanen. I am your host. And this time around in this particular episode, we are going to talk about the upcoming events, the season 11 events in the Pro Tour. All of those we're going to go through uh, in detail. We talk about the course, uh, the um, uh, specifics of the events and the races and of course Seaman being a former pro team athlete himself uh, will uh, recall the good old days and his own memories from those races and we take a look back at last season's results a little bit as well so Seaman once again it's good to have you on our show how are you doing at the moment Thank you very much. Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing fine. Uh, we have uh, finally gotten some snow here in Oslo, um, above 300 meters. So it's uh, the conditions are uh, pretty good, actually. Um, different places, uh, pretty nearby Oslo. So I did some skiing this weekend. Uh, I'm going to go skiing uh, this afternoon. So yeah, I'm doing fine. So, Seaman, 11 races, 10 locations, that's the new season. Of course, we are starting a little bit later than uh, expected. We don't have Livigno and Kaiser Maximilian Lauf is not uh, in the calendar anymore. But before we go individually, one by one, I think it's a good to take a look at the, uh, the overall calendar and uh, see where we're at. And uh, we're starting, of course, uh, with the Pro Team Tempo. That will be uh, in January, and, and that will be in conjunction uh, with um, the La Diagonela, of course. And the date for that is January 14th. That is a Thursday. Uh, then the, uh, the following Saturday on January 16th, uh, we'll still stay in uh, the Engadine Valley, uh, Switzerland, and that'll be uh, La Diagonela. And from La Diagonela, we move to Italy. Three races back-to-back uh, -back in Italy. Topla Cortina uh, is the third event, uh, the 42-kilometer classic technique race. That, that'll be uh, on January 23rd. Uh, from there, we, as I said, will stay uh, in that country. And the legendary Majalonga is next. That is January uh 30, let me actually check the date to be precise. Uh, January 31st, so it's the last day of January. Uh, then from there, we uh, move to La Venosta. That was the, that's the new race that was introduced uh, last season, and it was originally supposed to take place in mid-December, but it, it was moved up. And that race is now 45 kilometers. It was 30 kilometers last season a little bit over 30 kilometers last season that's sunday february 7th and from there we leave uh, central and uh, quite central europe behind but we leave italy and switzerland behind and we move to uh, uh, of course to yiselska paresatka yiselska 50 
uh, in Petrihov, uh, the Czech Republic, and that's a 50-kilometer classic technique race on Sunday 14th. Then there's a little bit of a break before Pasalopet, 90-kilometer race, of course, the classic, the legendary, the king of the ski races. Uh, always the first Sunday of March. This time around, it'll be 7th of March. And from there, uh, a little bit of a time off. And then we reconvene again uh, on March uh, 20th uh, when Birkebeinerennet take place. And then we'll stay in Norway for Reistelöpe, which is the uh, an, uh, 9th. Uh, sorry, Orifel says, sorry, Reistelöpe. Sorry, uh, I need to go, go back and say, of course, because we have a new race. Uh, uh, we have Orefelslope there. Uh, originally, it was from, you know, Birkebeiner to Reister, but now we have a new race, Orefelslope, uh, event number nine in Volodalen, Sweden, close to Ore, and that is the new 100k race. This is really an interesting one uh, for us to talk about, and that's going to be on Saturday, March 27th, and from there, we move on to Reisterlöpet, of course, Setermu and Bardefoss. Up north in Norway, 50-kilometer classic technique race, Saturday, April 10th. And then finally, the final race, uh, Grande Finale, uh, Ullas Levi in Finland, 70-kilometer classic race. That'll be on Saturday, April 17th. That's the whole calendar with the new additions. Uh, so basically, we have this new race, Orefelslop, but that's a new thing. And the protein tempo has been moved from Libinio to uh, Switzerland in conjunction with La Diagonela, and we don't have Kaiser Maximilian Lauf. Let's get started with the um, protein tempo. You've done it yourself a couple of times, and uh, of course, it's been kind of a race that took a while to find its form and shape, but it seems to me that right now, the format that we have works pretty well. What would you say? I mean, from your uh, from your perspective, being a former athlete yourself. Uh, yeah, actually, I think it uh, the way it is now. I think it works uh, pretty well. Uh, I only done it uh, two times, I think. Um, so, uh, but I think it's it's nice to have uh, this kind of uh, team event um, where you where you work together with your team. Uh, I think it's. Uh, I think it's important for uh, for the the team spirit, and uh, I think it's uh, I think it's a nice way to to start uh, start the season, uh, and uh, it's for sure it's a it's a tough competition uh, where you have to to work hard from the from the start to the finish, um, and I think the the way it is with a with a handicap start for the for the women. Uh, afterwards, uh, I think that worked uh, worked well as well. Also, uh, but then, as we have seen sometimes, uh, which was was the case with my team uh, as well, uh, there are some teams without uh, without the women. Woman. Uh, so, yeah, I, I remember we didn't have a we didn't have a, a woman on our team the last. Uh, Last time I raced, uh, so I think maybe some of the teams they, they look on the on the tempo uh, as sort of a you know a, a way to to prepare for the individual uh, prologue or the the race the two days after. But uh, I think it's uh, for the teams fighting for the you know for the overall competition. 
I think it's uh, it is a really important competition, and uh, it's important for them to to do well. And it's a good platform for all the teams, all the thirty five teams to kind of get introduced and show their racing suits and uh, get a little, I mean, that little, good television coverage because we will go through all the teams. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's a great opportunity to, you know, to show your team and uh, also to, to show your sponsors uh, because, as you said, uh, we follow every team uh, on their way through the course. So, yeah, it's... Um, that's uh, that's a great opportunity to you know to be to be visible and as you mentioned earlier uh it's divided into two parts uh you talked about the men and then a lot of teams uh particularly in the past showed up without a a female skier uh, but the basic idea is that the men start first they ski together uh previously time was taken from the third best skier but it has been changed to be to the second best skier do the you know the pandemic, and just to make sure that there's not not too many uh, people out there at the same time, uh, and then there's a pursuit start for you know for the women, uh, based on the time differences gained uh, in the men's competition. It's kind of interesting what you said that it's a it's a it's a tough race, because of course you guys, particularly when you were active, you guys meaning all of you the pro team athletes and all the pro teams are used to doing long distances. This is not a long distance. But then again, it's a really fast-paced skiing, and it's always been and will be again in high altitude. Yeah, uh, and it's, you know, when you're doing a a normal uh, long-distance race, you are, you know, maybe the... The first couple of miles are you can you can stay in uh, in the pack and hide a little bit, try to to save as much energy as possible. But in this race, if you want your team to perform to perform well, everybody has to you know to give everything from uh, from the start. So there's there's no room for for rest. So you are maybe you're in the front like between 30 seconds and a minute at a time but then then you only have if you are three or four racers in the on the team you only have maybe a couple of minutes rest before you have to to take your turn in the front again so that's that's what it ma- what makes it hard uh, because you know the team depend on everybody to to give 100% if they want a good a good time in the end Especially those guys, two two guys that are uh, are going all the way to the finish line. And last year, uh, the race took place in Livigno, and a year ago, and it was a really tight fight uh, all the way to the uh, to the end. And then uh, Lager won one fifty seven. Lager one fifty seven ski team won the race, and I think Preta uh, uh, Johansson Nugren and Peter uh, Elias were the uh, fastest individuals, but of course the individual times, as you mentioned, this is a team sport, team event. It's not that uh, comparable because it's not an individual start. Uh, and uh, also speaking of individuals, uh, originally we were going to have individual prologue, but this time around we don't have that. That's also a race that has been skipped because due to the uh, the changes in the calendar. Speaking of which, I mean, you guys were victorious 
uh, and they, uh, you know, when you were still racing uh, two years ago, when uh, the pro, uh, when the individual pro law took place, you probably re recall those days uh, with fun uh, <laughs> memories. Yeah, that was uh, that was a really strong race uh, race for us, uh, where we ended up with the you know, with the four first uh, places. Uh, uh, Ostein he he won. Uh, I was third. Uh, Martin second, and Petter was fourth. Uh, so that was that was really fun. Uh, but I think maybe we had one one advantage uh, because, as I said, we didn't have a. We didn't have a, a girl on our team, so we could save a little bit of energy on the on the team prologue uh, two days before. So, uh, yeah, we were maybe not as tired as uh, some of the other guys. I don't know, but uh, uh, we were uh, we were in good shape all of us that day, and uh, that was uh, that was a really fun race. That was a great day for for you and for your team, and I always remember. Oosten uh, Petersen was so happy. It was kind of a comeback for him uh, that, you know, not that many people really expected him to be to be winning again, which he did. But of course, in the same season, uh, he he continued performing well, as, as you all did. And then he was on a podium uh, at Ules Levy as well. And we will actually hear some comments uh, from him uh, during this podcast. Uh, and uh, there will be, you will hear a lot of uh, comments from uh, our pro team athletes, a uh, little bit of repurposed, uh, the ones that you already uh, heard before. Uh, if you had a chance to, uh, if you had a chance to listen to our podcasts, but let's move on. So that's a pro team tempo, the pro individual uh, prologue. We don't have that in a calendar, but then of course, uh, Engarin La Diego Nela, which is the first uh, individual race uh, this coming season, the 65-kilometer race in Switzerland in the beautiful Engadine Valley. It's definitely one of my favorite places to ski. Not just the race, but the whole region is a is a winter wonderland, uh, is a paradise for uh, cross-country skiers. But let's go through that course, 65-kilometer course and high altitude. It's not the hardest course in the circuit, but it could be a bit deceiving. Uh, mischievous in, in 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 many ways because it can be harder than it, it looks. Correct. Yeah, for sure. Uh, as you said, it's it's not a course with the with the most uh, most uphills, but it's uh, it's quite a long race, sixty five kilometers. Uh, and uh, as you said, it's uh, the altitude is high uh, between eighteen hundred and nineteen hundred meters, I think, approximately. Um, it's quite often pretty cold there, uh, so the you know the snow is uh, is not so fast uh, when you got temperatures you know down to minus twenty, which is, has been there sometimes uh, in this race. Uh, and also, it's uh, when it's not so many uphills and downhills, it's not so much rest. So you know the first. First twenty kilometers or so are they are flat, uh, and you're doing the same, the same part when you come back. So, you know the last one third of the race, it's uh, there's not much rest in that part. Uh, you're going down the valley, uh, passing the 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 airfield there, uh, and then you get the last. I think it's the last six or seven kilometers. Uh, they are quite hilly, uh, not the longest or steepest hills, but when you have 
been out there for almost 60 kilometers uh, those uh, those hills can be can be quite tough uh, and then you have a you know we like to call it a much longer light uh, finish um, up to the to the finish line in in Sousse. so it's uh, you know the last the last kilometer is uh, is, is going uphill uh, and you need to you need to have some power left entering that uphill uh, if you want to to fight for for the victory so uh, even though it's not the most hilly hilly course it's uh, it is a tough race for sure you're right about that i've done the race myself several times and the last 10k is really a tough one and it's kind of the hills as you said are not really that long but they're quite many of those you're getting tired and then you have this final climb which is at least about a kilometer long gradual climb all the way to the finish a bit similar similar as you said to the macha longa although not as steep and not as long no. uh, the one is at 2.5 kilometers but still it's a tough one uh, it's a but it's, it's it's a beautiful region it's a beautiful course and there are two sprint points uh, in the race this coming season the first one is at six, uh, 16 kilometers at samedan and the second one is at san moritz uh, at 22 kilometers so two sprint points too so i think there will be lots of interesting uh, fights there as well no climb competition this this time around uh, which has been the, uh, the case in the past a little bit uh, and of course the area uh, if we just look at the, um, the you know, kind of the points in the area and the, the beautiful Engadin Valley. So the, the course starts and ends in Zuz, uh, goes through La Punt, that's the first village, through Celerina, and then all the way to the San Moritz. There's the climb that you uh, talked about a little bit. Uh, then it goes down to San Moritz and the Lake San, uh, lake uh, of uh, Stas, uh, and from there to Pontresina, and from Pontresina through the airfield, uh, passing the start area and then the final 10k we just talked about and then the final climb all the way to the to the village uh, zoos which is um, a small town a village uh, but very idyllic um, and a nice place to end the race yeah for sure uh, and it's you know it's it's very often uh, nice weather uh, down in, in in the Engadin Valley uh, with the sun shining so it's uh, it's a beautiful scenery, uh, and it's uh, if you want to do a race, take a, you know maybe, maybe spend some extra days uh, down there. It's uh, there are many miles with uh, with tracks, uh, and also some if you want to do some downhill skiing or it's uh, you know it's it's a beautiful place, um, and often it's often pretty good snow conditions as well so you really get uh, the winter feeling uh, staying there and last season or you know this winter uh, the race was quite surprising as uh, Chris Andre Jespersen won the race uh, Turase Yedalen was second and then Alexei Shemiakin from the Russian winter team uh, he was third and then on the women's side Astrid Reslind was really dominant uh, followed by uh, her then teammate uh, Karibi Kagenjednes, who has now uh, retired, and then Katarina Smutna uh, was third, and uh, no Britta Johansson Nogren uh, on the podium. Uh, so it was a, of course, for Chris Andre Jespersen, that was a really emo emotional victory to finally win. And we also remember 
that uh, there was a breakaway um, with him and Peter Eliasen. And Peter Eliasen surprised everyone by using kick wax. Yeah, that was, uh, that was uh, quite surprising for everybody, I think. Uh, I don't know why he did that. Uh, and, uh, you know, looking back at it, it was maybe a wrong choice. Uh, but uh, I think Chris' performance uh, that day, that was maybe one of the, maybe the most impressive uh, performance uh, through the whole season. Uh, he was he was so strong that day. And uh, I think he would have won... Uh, even though Eliasson had had not used kickwax, so he has been strong for for many races. But as you said, he has uh, he has never won before, and um, you know that performance uh, he did that day was uh, that was incredibly strong. Why do you think that he won there? I mean, he it's as you said, it's been a long time coming for him, and then he finally succeeded. But even after that, it was pretty much that's it. <laughs> Well, I don't know, uh, and uh, I don't know if he know that himself uh, why he's so much up and down. But uh, it's that's sort of how his seasons have been uh, for the through his career. Actually, uh, he's doing he can do some some absolutely amazing uh, races, and uh, then he can be you know gone for. For the next races but uh he has struggled with some illness uh during the the winters sometimes uh which has um, set him back uh so i think a key for him is to you know to be to be able to stay healthy throughout the whole season uh, but um yeah it's it's strange that he's not on you know he, he should be fighting for for podiums every race He's at the start, so we'll see this winter. And he should be, and also we'll see how many races he will be able to do because he's also testing his wings in biathlon come the uh, the new winter, come the new season. And before we move on to Topla Cortina, let's listen to uh, former La Diagonela winner Eustin Pettersen and find out what he wants to say about La Diagonela. love and hate relationship with the race because uh, you either feel very good or extremely bad. I don't know why. It's not because of the beautiful surroundings, that's for sure, but um, uh, maybe the altitude, maybe the um, the dry, cold air, maybe the dry, cold snow, I don't know. But um, the race itself, it's it's beautiful. It's um, The track is uh, more or less in the valley of uh, Engadin, uh, with beautiful surroundings all all around, people will look at the the track profile and see that oh, this is kind of an um, easy race. There are not so many long uphills, um, lots of flat terrain, and people will mistakenly think it's an easy race. But uh, when it's flat, people tend have a tendency to forget that uh, there are no rest. So it's uh, La Degonella is a very hard race. I would say it's one of the hardest races in the Ski Classic because there are no long parts where you can actually rest. 
to me, it's one of the the nicest uh, races uh, when you think about the circumstances and the nature, uh, but it's also one of the hardest when you think of the lack of resting. Topla Cortina. What would you like to say about that particular race? It's a bit shorter than uh, many of the other races in, in our tour. Yeah, it's a little bit shorter, uh, but uh, as with uh, with uh, La Diagonella, it's, uh, you know, this this area it's uh, it's really beautiful uh and the scenery uh, going up the valley from uh, from Toblak to Cortina it's uh, that's quite amazing uh, you know with all the with all the mountains with the dolomites uh surrounding you uh, and it's you know the valley it's quite narrow uh and you know the way the track moves along up uh, the foot of the mountains it's uh that's uh, I really like. I really like to go skiing there. Um, and the course is uh, it's, you do first. You do uh, a flat loop uh, before entering uh, entering into the ski stadium in Toblak, uh, where we have seen the tourist ski uh, many times. Uh, but then from from the stadium uh, all the way up to you know, to the highest point uh, where we have the climb, it's uh, it's uphill. Uh, it's not so steep, but it's uh, you have to you have to work all the way. There's no rest. Uh, that makes it that makes the race quite tough. Uh, and actually, in the the last part of the of the climb, you get you get some steeper parts parts as well. Uh, which makes it uh, makes it more challenging, and um, as we have seen over the years, even though it's uh, it's not the longest race or or the steepest uh, climbs, uh, the the field gets spread all all over all over the course. So it's um, I would say it's a tough race, uh, even though when you reach the the climb point after 30 kilometers uh, it's mostly downhill all the way down to to Cortina um, but it's the, the downhill looks steeper on the map uh, than in that it actually is so it's you have to work all the way uh, and it's depending on the on the conditions it's uh, there's not much much rest uh, i remember one year, I think it was in 2017, uh, we got some uh, some fresh snow the, the night before, uh, and it was really warm and sunny on the race day. Uh, so the, the conditions, they were so slow in the last uh, 15 kilometers. Uh, and our waxers, they had been out there the day before uh, testing our skis, and they, then the conditions were faster. So they said to us, it's, you know, when, when you come over the top, it's only you can only you know surf down to the to the finish line, but uh, because the conditions were were so slow that day, we had to work so hard all the way. So it's uh, even though it looks easy uh, on the map, you, you you still had to work all the way to the finish line. It's not an easy downhill, and we saw that last year when uh, Andreas Nikord did an amazing job and caught up with uh, Peter Eliasen, who was in the lead at that time, and, and was able to win the race uh, so it's a it's a it's a tough one as you said and there are two uh, this one uh, sprint point uh, at that nordic arena that you just talked about uh, that's at 11 kilometers into the race 
and then the climbing uh, po uh, competition point, which is at the highest point uh, of the course, uh, which is the Chime Chime uh, Panche. That's the that's the one where they when the skiers start uh, uh, descending after that. But a little bit about the place, the places itself, because this is of course two uh, famous places, uh, Toplach. Uh, and Odopiago and Cortina de Ambeso. And the whole course uh, lies in the UNESCO Natural World Heritage site. So it's a really a beautiful uh, setting there. And uh, it goes on, 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 on an old railway, Dolomites Railway, uh, Ferro Via della Dolomiti. And then they're passing the viewpoint of the three peaks, for example. And the highest point that I just mentioned is a uh, Chimapanche, that's the uh, 1,534 meters above sea level. Uh, and then, of course, it's uh, going all the way down to Cortina de, de Ambeso. Cortina is a famous place, sports resort, uh, best known as the uh, host city of the Olympic uh, Winter Games in 1956 and will be again uh, for the 2026 uh, Olympics uh, alongside with uh, Milan. And then Toplach, as you mentioned, uh, is... Uh, known for the uh, the fish World Cup races and particularly tour de ski uh, and it's a nice place with the cozy cafeterias and restaurants and great shops and so forth and also the start of the race takes place in the middle of the town so that's also kind of an interesting fact and last year's uh, winners of course it's good to point uh, that out uh, because the year before was the year when the race uh, had to be cancelled. But last year, uh, Andreas Nigor, as I mentioned, there were amazing performance from him. Then Peter Eliasen was second. And Marcus Johansson was on a podium uh, second time around after Kaiser Maximilian Lauf, which is in, in our calendar of this season. And then uh, on the women's side, Britta Johansson-Nugren uh, returned to form and won the race. Uh, Karivi Kagan-Yetnes was second. And, surprisingly, Anastasia Vlasova from Russian winter team. Uh, so that's, again, a great performance from uh, a Russian skier there. And uh, that's Topla Cortina, unless there's anything you want to say about this beautiful uh, location before we move on to the classic one, Majalonga. No, I think I think you said, uh, said the, the most important things, uh, but it's... We can mention it's. Uh, we talked about the, the Tour de Ski, and uh, much of this course is uh, is going the opposite way of uh, of this race uh, that they used in uh, Tour de Ski uh, for some years. Uh, this, uh, then we had. Uh, I did it sometimes myself. Uh, it was a thirty-kilometer pursuit from. Uh, we started in um, in Cortina, uh, ending up in. Uh, in Toblach, so it's uh, it's the same course as many people maybe have seen in in Tour de Ski, but it's the the opposite way. That was a good point, Seaman. Uh, just to remind all the listeners that uh, it's uh, it's the Tour de Ski course, but the opposite direction. And now, before we move on to Barcelona, one of the great races, one of the Grand Classics, let's listen to Britta Johansson Nugren and Andreas Nigor, last year's winners and find out uh, what they uh, say about Topla Cortina. Topla Cortina is a really beautiful race. The surroundings are stunning. 
I also like when a race goes from one place to another. And after Toblas, you have a long hill there you really can create something. But you also have to be a little bit careful because it's not so easy to stay in front with a chasing group behind you the last uh, 10k. And so it's better to be prepared for a sprint finish also. Hi, Andreas Nigor here. And uh, I was lucky enough to win Tobla Cortina last year. And I have to admit that it was a fantastic day and fantastic scenery on a fantastic course. And um, I really like the area and uh, the course is not the hardest one and it's not the longest one, but it has everything a nice long traditional ski race should have and uh, the weather is always pleasantly nice with sun and not too cold of uh, weather and uh, I'm really looking forward coming back this year and uh, hopefully we will have uh, the same weather and the same shape as we had in uh, 2020. Then Seymour Machalonga. It's one of the Grand Classics races. Uh, it's been around for, for ages, uh, since the early 70s. Interesting race. It's a great atmosphere. M again, maybe not the toughest, toughest race, but then again, it's a high-paced race. Uh, what really makes Marjolonga special? Why has this particular race become a ground jewel? Uh, well, I think uh, I think the atmosphere uh, plays uh, plays a big role in that. Uh, the way the race goes through all these small villages uh, up and down the the Val di Fiemme Valley, um, and you know, it's it's quite a special feeling uh, skiing through these narrow roads uh, between houses, um, and I think that's some of the reason why this this race has become so popular uh, and uh, as you said it's it's not the toughest race so i think uh, there are not so so many steep uphills uh, or downhills uh, and i think maybe that's the reason for uh, why many people like to do the race uh, it's uh, it's achievable for you know for for many skiers without yeah having the to be on on such a high level uh, and I think also for many people doing the race it's uh, you know it's the whole experience uh, traveling down to to Val di Fiemme uh, many people they uh, they stay. Maybe they come some days before the race, uh, go skiing on the, on the beautiful Lavasea Pass, or uh, and and also stay for for one or two more days after the race, you know, for for an after ski and uh, you know a, a nice dinner uh, in Cavalese, for example, uh, on the on the Sunday evening. So I, I think it's the the total package that makes this race so so popular. 
And this particular race has a sprint point at Kanaze. We'll talk about that a little, uh, a little bit later on because it's also an interesting point uh, because after that, the race completely changes. Uh, and then uh, there's a climb point, a new one, uh, just before Moena at uh, 32 kilometer, kilometers. Uh, another sprint point at Tredazzo in the middle of a town there. And then finally, of course, the... Uh, there's the final climb that also makes this race a bit of a special one. You mentioned it's a it's doable to pretty much any uh, amateur skier, but the, the long last climb makes this race something unique. Yeah, for sure, uh, and uh, that's where you see who's the strongest uh, skiers of the day. Uh, and I think you know the. The course, if you take an over an overlook of the course, it's it's not so hard uh, because it's uh, you know the first eighteen kilometers uh, are are flat or uphill, uh, but it it's not as as steep as it looks. My look on the on the course map, uh, but even though you, you have to you have to work all the way up to Kansai, uh, but then it's depending on the on the conditions, it's. Uh, it's quite high speed all the way down to to Molina, uh, and I think that's where the race uh, really starts, uh, because then you you turn around there uh, with about six kilometers to go, uh, and then you have to work slightly uphill for four or three and a half kilometers, all the way to uh, to, bon- to the the bottom of uh, the Cascata climb. Uh, and when you cross uh, under the road there, it's two and a half, almost three kilometers, uh, with a steep, narrow uphill uh, all the way up to the finish line in uh, in Cavalese. So it's um, you know you have to save as much energy as possible uh, all the way down to to Molina, uh, but it's it's a high speed race uh, and. That's what separates it a little bit from from many of the other races. Um, you have to be, if you want to win the race, you have to be able to, you know, to to ski in a high pace without using too much energy. Um, and uh, normally, or most of the times, uh, it's a uh, it's a pretty big group uh, entering Molina. Uh, but uh, we saw two years ago uh, that Petrelias and he was a, he wasn't interested in uh, in a big group all the way down from uh, from Kansai. So he put up uh, he put up a really really high pace, you know, almost from the start. Uh, and the way he raced much longer that year was so impressive. Uh, I don't know how many kilometers he was in the front of the race, but that was you know like. 90% or something uh, and everybody was struggling so hard to to keep up with him even in in those parts that are considered to be you know to be easy uh, people were struggling and still he was the he was the strongest guy in the in the last climb uh, i remember he he came in into the last climb with together with i think it was three or four Four guys from uh, Team Ragda, uh, and they had all been on his 
back skis for for most of the race and but still he was so much stronger than them uh, so that was one of the most impressive victories in in Masha Longa, i think yeah that was one of those out of this world performances from uh, peter elias and and also last year was uh, uh, speaking of him and f- tight fights was uh, quite interesting as well when tura bjor said bedal tura said yedal and, and peter elias and uh, attacked that final final hell and it turned out to be Ture who was the fastest followed by Turasle and then Peter Peter Elias and another women's side Karvik Hagen Yeitnes finally won uh, got her you know her dream came true pretty much and Asteriores Lin uh, was second and then uh, Lina Kuskren and Prita actually but they Nukran was quite far behind sixth even Emilia Flet and Anita Dahl uh, were before her um, and also I think what we should mention when we talk about uh, Machalonga is the the snow conditions, uh, the, the weather conditions, because the course is pretty much all the way through on on artificial snow. And uh, the beginning of the race could be some natural snow, and it goes all the way to Kanase that I just mentioned, which is the highest point of the race. A little bit of a climb all, all the way there. Then the uh, race uh, changes because it's a downhill all the way to Molina, as you said, and then the final straights in the 2.5 kilometer Cascada Hill, all the way up to uh, to the finish uh, in, uh, uh, in 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 the downtown. Uh, uh, so, when you think about the race, and did do you feel that it suited you well? But I think it wasn't really a race that was perfect for for you because it was a high tempo race. You more being a kind of a high capacity skier. Yeah, well, uh, but it's uh, but it's still the only only ski classics race I have won. So uh, it's uh, at least for one year it suited me pretty well. Uh, but uh, no, I, I don't think it was maybe not my favorite race uh, because it was you know almost fifty kilometers or forty kilometers with. Uh, you know, of high high speed racing there. Uh, I liked it liked it a little bit more when it was more hilly. Uh, but it's you know the because of the atmosphere and you know the standing of the race. Uh, it was one of my favorite races, uh, and winning there was just an amazing experience. So I'm I'm really glad I. <laughs> I got to do that, for sure. It is certainly a race that everyone should uh, experience, and it's a very popular among your countrymen. I think about two thousand Norwegian uh, athletes and Nor- Norwegian skiers uh, participate in the race uh, on annual basis. And the race starts in Muena and finishes on the main street of Kavalese and goes through thirteen different villages or small towns uh, in that region and in those two valleys. Definitely and a beautiful, beautiful race. And before we move on to the next one, uh, which is La Venosta still in Italy, let's uh, listen to uh, Tur Asleyedalen, who has won the race, I think, three times. And last year's uh, winner, Tur Ebjörset Bedal. Hello, my name is Tur Asleyedalen. I'm three-time winner of Marcia Marcelonga is the the best race of all the races. All the races I've ever been uh, participated in, from a normal World Cup 
to even the Olympics, I still uh, find Marcel Longa the best one. And uh, my best experience is from uh, the second time I won, which I had a lot of extra power to give. But the most exciting experience was the first time I did the Marcel Longa. It was, yeah, the last hill. It is a killer of a hill. It is, you can feel great and you feel tired and you feel great and you feel tired. But when you come into the finish line and you see the goal, it's just a happy feeling. So you should try it. It's the best race of all time. Uh, hi, my name is uh, Ture Bardal. Uh, I used to be a cross-country skier for uh, Team Koteng. But uh, after this season, I decided to uh, stop my professional skiing career and get a normal job. But uh, right now we're talking about uh, Marcelonga. Uh, Marcelonga is maybe the most special race we do the entire season. It's the highlight of the year, uh, along with Vasaloppe. Um, for me, Marcelonga has been the race I've always dreamt about winning. Uh, it's the race that suits me uh, the most with the uphill finish up Cascata. Um, I've done a lot of training specifically to, for Marcelonga. Uh, it's a quite special race because you have such high speed for 67 kilometers and then there's a, a race to get to be within the top 10 when you cross the bridge and then the uh, the race completely changes and you're racing up the last hill and uh, winning up the last hill uh, requires some completely different skills than the rest of the race so it's a difficult race to win but uh, luckily this winter will be a day I will remember for the rest of my life. So La Venostad, uh, this time around it's a bit later on in the season as I mentioned earlier in this pro podcast it was supposed to uh, take place in mid-December and this is the new race that started uh, last season uh, but really an interesting place we'll talk about that a little bit uh, later on but last year Eremil Bukweb won the race followed by Petr Eliasen and your former uh, teammate Modnere Pedersen and on the uh, f female side on the women's side Astrid Ödeslin was really amazing uh, way uh, finished way before uh, the others and Britta Johansson Nogren uh, was second and Kari Vikagenjeitnes once again performed really well and she was third this race it's it's kind of an interesting place. It's a really small valley, and I remember when I got there for the first time, not knowing really anything about the place. I was like, "Hmm, this looks kind of interesting, kind of kind of narrow." And uh, I was like, "Hmm, how can we have a race here?" But then when I hopped on my skis and started skiing, I realized kind of the the beauty of the place and the course. It's a it's a tough tough one, and it goes all the way up to the almost two thousand. Uh, meters above sea level. I think the highest point is exactly uh, 1,970 meters. So it's a tough race. Yeah, uh, I had never been there myself uh, since it was the, the first uh, year last uh, last season. So uh, I haven't done the race, uh, but uh, I only watched it on, on TV. Uh, but as you said, uh, it's... Uh, 
it's another race uh, in the high uh, with high altitude, uh, almost two thousand meters uh, above sea level, which is which is almost two hundred meters uh, more than uh, they are allowed to to compete uh, within the World Cup. So that's that's definitely tough to 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 compete in, in such a high high level. But um, I think, as you said, it was. Uh, it looked like a tough race uh, with maybe not the, the longest climbs, but uh, still quite hilly, uh, ups and downs all the way. Um, and uh, we saw that it was the, the, the strongest guys uh, fighting for, uh, for the victory last year. Um, so I think uh, it's, it's definitely a, a really interesting uh, interesting race uh, and uh, if you have a if you have a good day uh, and feel strong it's uh, it's definitely possible to to try to do something uh, on your own um, and uh, it's uh, I would say the way it looked last year it's uh, it's a race for for those with uh, with a high capacity um, and uh, if you don't have the the strongest sprint, uh, it's absolutely possible to to make a move uh, before you you enter the the last couple of hundred meters. And speaking of sprints and our uh, competition points, uh, the first uh, the sprint point is at six kilometers at Milago. Then there's a the first climb point is at Milago Alm. That's the highest point at uh, 12 kilometers. And again, the same climb at uh, 31 kilometers, uh, Milago Alm. And uh, this race is uh, now a bit longer. It's 45 kilometers uh, this time around. It was only about 34, I remember. I actually did a skating race the day after. Uh, so it, it is a tough, tough uh, course. As you said, and the place itself—it's kind of a little, like a hidden jewel in the south of Tyrol. It's in Italy, but it's very close to the borders of Switzerland and Austria, uh, in the Valley Lunga Valley. And it's known for this uh, church tower that kind of raises up from a from the lake, because the um, the time of the war, the Second World War, I think the whole village was sunk into the you know the uh, into this lake. I mean, the water was poured out all over. Uh, you know the town or the village, but the, the church tower still remains. So if you go there, you can spot that pretty easily. It's one of the landmarks uh, or the tourist, you know, sites or destinations to, to see. And um, certainly, it's a great addition to to our our uh, tour. And we'll see how this new course or new uh, distance uh, works out. Absolutely, and and I think it's since it's not so long, it's it's only forty five kilometers. Um, you know, it's it's possible to to ski hard all the way from the from the start. So it's uh, you know if if you feel strong, you can you can you know put up a high pace early in the race. Uh, and uh, I, I kind of like those races um, where it's possible to you know t- attack all the way from uh, from the start without being afraid to 
you know, crack 20 kilometers before the finish line. So do you think, do you think it's a good distance, the 45 kilometers? Or do you think it should be longer? Uh, in my opinion, I think it's, I think it's a good distance uh, around, you know, plus minus 50 kilometers uh, because then you can, then you can attack early uh, without being afraid to get tired a long way before you come to the finish. Um, so, so I, I like those races. It was like, uh, when we did Kaiser Maximilian, uh, two years ago, uh, when I had to, when they had to shorten the, the course because of uh, too much snow, I think it was, uh, and we did, we only did, uh, like 45 kilometers, I think, instead of 60. Uh, and I, I actually th- think that made the race more interesting. So, uh, in my opinion, it's it's nice to have some shorter races as well. Uh, and you know, forty-five or fifty kilometers—that's uh, still a long race. It's almost two hours of racing, and um, if the if the course is uh, is tough, it's uh, then it's definitely you know. Uh, a tough uh, tough job to you know to to win the race uh, and uh, it's kind of the same thing you see in in the tour de france or giro d'italia and those those three week uh, cycling races that uh, you often see the shorter stages uh, are the most interesting because people are willing to to attack all the way from the start that's really a good point and it's very interesting and intriguing that, that that you say 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 so because there's a lot of talk about uh, some of the races being too short. But I think it's a good mix to have some long ones. We need to have really long ones, of course. And we have the RFLs, Lopet 100K, really tough course. Uh, but then we have the shorter ones, uh, more action perhaps, and more drama on these short races, different courses. That's the beauty of it. That's Absolutely. the beauty of the Vismaski Classics. Yeah. So, but good. We move on to the next one. As we don't have any comments from our pro team athletes uh, for La Venosta, we move on to the uh, uh, the second Crown uh, Jewel, uh, second Crown Classics event. Marcelonga is, of course, the first one, and Yiserska Paresatka in the Czech Republic. Now you can be part of Visma Ski Classics. Sign up for my pages if you haven't done it yet. You can be ranked among other skiers, including our pro team athletes, and compare your ranking with your friends. You can also get different pins that measure your achievements. So go to vismaskiclassics.com, sign in by clicking my pages on the top, and get ready for action in Season 11. Then Yiserska. Yiserska Paresatka. Paresatka means 50. Yiserska 50. This, again, 50-kilometer race, not the easiest one. Even Some people even say that this is one of the toughest ones. Uh, long uh, climb at the beginning, uh, second long climb, uh, the distance is quite f- far. And this is a race that really suits uh, your former teammate, what Nader Peterson uh, really well. And uh, I've always asked him about it, and... Uh, I'm not sure if he really is able to say why 
it suits him so well. But what do you think? What kind of a skier you need to be in order to do do well? Uh, well, well, you have to you have to be uh, you have to be a strong uh, strong uphill skier uh, for sure. Uh, you need to have a high high capacity because it's uh, you know the start is quite similar to the Birkebeiner race uh, with uh, it's almost eleven kilometers of uphill racing uh, in the beginning. Uh, so you need to be to be strong to stay with the. Uh, to stay in the front uh, up to the to the first climbing point uh, and then the terrain is uh, sort of rolling or it's yeah up and down uh, for the next 20 kilometers uh, and then you get to the to the second climb which is uh, much shorter than the first one but it's uh, steeper and uh, and you've been racing for for 30 kilometers uh, so people are starting to get tired um, so that's uh, that's a tough climb uh, and uh, from the from the second climb point it's I think it's a little over 15 kilometers uh, to the finish line um, it's it's easy terrain uh, mostly from uh, in the last uh, last third of the race um, but it there's still some some small climbs uh, placed in the last ten kilometers, uh, so you need if you want to to win the race, uh, you need to be you need to be strong all the way all the way to the to the last kilometers. Uh, even though the the last kilometer is is pretty easy with the only downhill into the into the finish line almost, uh, but uh, I don't know why Morten has performed so well there, uh, but he is, yeah, we know he's a strong uphill skier uh, with a really good technique uh, and a high capacity. Uh, but then I think, you know, Isarska, it's the way it's placed on the on the calendar. Uh, sometimes it's only been, I think it's, is it two weeks uh, before Valsaropa? Or is it three this year? I think it's... Uh... Two weeks. It's in the mid. It's in the mid February. Yeah. So there's like the three weeks. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes it's only been two weeks, uh, and uh, some guys are maybe you know preparing for Vasaropa, uh, and in the middle of a training period. So that might cause some some differences, uh, some years, but. Uh, as you said, it's uh, it is a tough race, uh, and uh, it is the, most of the times it's the the stronger skier, strongest skier uh, that that ends up with the with the victory. And um, it was uh, it was one of my favorite races, uh, and I really like the course, uh, the way it goes up and down almost all the time. Uh, and if you have a good day and feel strong you get paid for that and um you know it's uh, the way the course it's a quite narrow course uh, going through the the forest of bedrico there so i really like to race i do and also what's 
really special about this race is that you talk about the climbing points. The first climbing point is uh, after the long, uh, long climb at 11k, uh, and the second one is the 32k. But in between, at uh, 33k, there's the the sprint point, the only sprint point uh, in Yiserka. So it means that for a sprinter like Stian Berg, for example, you need to stay in the pack all the way to uh, to almost a half halfway through. Yeah, if you want to take the the sprint points in this race, you have to you have to, as you said, you have to stay with the with the front. And uh, as we have seen for for many years, that's often that's often too tough for the you know the pure sprinters. Uh, so it's it's very often one of the contenders for the the overall jersey that picks up most of the points uh, in this uh, in this sprint point um, and uh it's uh, it's often a small group uh, between you know 5 maximum 10 skiers together at this point of the race so it is uh it is a tough course and uh you know it's the terrain is rolling all the way um so you have to you have to stay sharp for uh, for the entire race to you know if you want to if you want to take the victory and the race itself and you know, the event has a really uh, special atmosphere petrihof is a wonderful place kind of a czech village up in the mountains with the shops and and cabins and things like that and it's kind of a carnival uh, like a folk fest type of feeling, uh, whenever you uh, go there, and and by the way, uh, you can read about our uh, events uh, in our magazine, uh, Bro XC Skiing, uh, which is available. You can get it on a, online. Just go on our site, www.ismaskiclassics.com, and you can order your own copy and read about these events, uh, and not just the events, but articles you know our season favorites uh and the uh pro teams everything about uh, bisma ski classics and our uh, pro tour and the last year's winners uh, at yeseska paresatka so andres nigod won followed by oscar gadin that was his first and only podium place last season and then peter eliasen surprised everyone uh, with his uh, sprinting capacity although he repeated again at you know at Vasalopet. we'll talk about that a little bit later on so he was third and then uh, Britta Johansson Nugren once again won uh, the women's race and Emilia Fleten maybe not a bit of a surprise I mean she had performed really well before this uh, race but uh, the second place certainly a bit of a surprise and then Lina Koskren uh, was third, and we have to remember that Lina Koskren won uh, Kaiser Maximilian Lauf, but she got sick, and she was on her path to recovery. Uh, uh, before then, of course, Vasalopet, which was after, after he says, and that's the race where she performed uh, really, really well. And before we move on to uh, the one that I just mentioned, Vasalopet, uh, let's listen to uh, Montnede Pedersen uh, about this wonderful race uh, in the Ysera Mountains. Hello, Morten Eide Pedersen, team captain uh, from uh, Team Nordic Athlete. 
now we are thinking about or going to talk about Jiserska uh, Padesatska, uh, one of my favorite races. It was my first race that I won in uh, Wisma Ski Classics, also the first one I reached the podium. After that, that have been like one of my big uh, big events and uh, really um, like to get back to Jiserska and Abedjo uh, show. Really nice area, uh, pretty small but still uh, famous for this big race and skiing around in uh, pretty small tracks like in the woods, both flat and hilly. And uh, I think it suits me because you don't have only the flat parts, but the longer uphills, uh, especially in the beginnings and uh, halfway in the track, it's easier to get away from uh, a big group and make a getaway, making the race instead of just staying in a group and waiting for sprints. You need to have, uh, I think it's important to have a pretty good capacity to do well, especially when uh, the speed are high during the race. And also the atmosphere around the race are uh, very nice. Uh, organization are uh, very good and making everything really set up for us, uh, both the racers and the amateurs during the competition. So Vasalopet next, of course, that is the king of the ski races, uh, probably the most uh, famous uh, and not just ski event, but one of the most fam- famous sport events in the world. And last year's uh, race was quite quite compelling one. Uh, Peter Eliasen neck and neck uh, with Stian Hölgard. Everyone was kind of thinking, okay, now it's finally Stian's turn to win the race as he's been on the podium five times in a row. But no. Uh, Peters just conjure up some magic and was able to sprint and win the race. And then on the women's side, Lina Koskren's amazing performance. Uh, she actually made Vasilopet history by being the uh, the best uh, placed women uh, in the overall results. Uh, she finished 57th uh, in the overall race. And uh, that's the best results you know, of all times. And, and she actually finished alongside with um, uh, Elias Ernusov. Uh, so it was quite amazing. And uh, Peter Johansson-Nugren was second and Katarina Smutna third. And of course, Tulev Sustad uh, was third uh, in the men's race. And uh, that was the second time for him to be in a podium uh, two uh, years back to back. So, Seaman, I know that you're not really that big of a fan of Vasalopet. I mean, it is a historic race, legend, legendary race. But for you, eh, not so much. No, uh, for sure, it's a uh, it's a fantastic race uh, with a with a great atmosphere, and you know, standing there on the start line with uh, yeah, around fifteen thousand participants behind you. Uh, that's quite a scene. But uh, for me, the race was always. Uh, 10 or 15 kilometers uh, too long so uh, I always cracked uh, too far away from the finish line and uh, <laughs> had a hard time you know just finished the race so uh, actually my my best experience with uh, with Vasilope is uh, 30, 15 years ago uh, 2005 uh, I was 20 years uh, and uh, I think that's still my my best experience. Uh, if you look away from the from the last kilometer, uh, I was involved in a crash in Budapest, 
uh, together with Rechak actually uh, and some other guys. But uh, I think I could have made the the top ten that year uh, if we hadn't crashed uh, in the last kilometer. There needs to be a certain type of skier who can do well at Vasalopet. Could you kind of define a good, a perfect Vasalopet skier? Uh, well, I, th- I think you have, for sure, you have to to be able to, to double pull for a long time. Uh, but you also need to be, you know, conserve as much energy as possible uh, to the last part of the race. Um, and uh, I think it's... Uh, even though the race isn't flat, but uh, there are many flat parts, um, and it's kind of uh, you know the same rhythm uh, all the way. Um, so I think you, you need to you need to have a really good stamina in the in the double pulling, uh, as we saw saw last year uh, with the. Or last season with uh, with Petter and Stian, uh, it wasn't the fastest skier on the on the paper that won, uh, but uh, it's almost every every time it's the it's the skier that has has the most power left uh, in the sprint that will take the victory. So uh, you know, it's it's I think it's important to be able to <laughs> to ski as uh, cheap, if you can say that, as possible. Uh, for most of the way, uh, I think that's uh, that's a key. Uh, even though we saw last last year with the with those tough conditions uh, that Petter and Stian they broke away quite early, um, and they were uh, incredibly strong, uh, and it was uh, quite an amazing per- performance uh, by those two. And it's a very long finish as well compared to many other races where you have the, when they enter the Mura area, you have like 500 meters all the way to the finish. So you need to kind of come up with a really different kind of sprint. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a long sprint. Uh, and, uh, you know, if it's, uh, if it's a bigger group, uh, you know, it's, uh, I would say the, the sprint starts, you know, a couple of kilometers uh, before the finish line uh, and uh, yeah I think it's it's important to not start you know too early uh, even though you think you are are getting closer to the finish line it's uh, it can trick you uh, and if you start with you know when you when you come around the last the last turn it's it's still is it 400 meters or something to the finish line um and that's it's that's quite long to go full out uh when you have been skiing for 89 and a half kilometers and also this race has uh, one climb uh position and two sprint ones uh the climb one is the first climb actually uh which is the probably the t- I mean, it is the toughest climb uh on the course and then the sprint ones are the monks budana uh, 24 kilometers into the race, and the second one is uh, uh, it's right after the halfway point for, at 47 kilometers. And last year, uh, the last season, Stian Berg uh, performed so well uh, and and actually, you know, uh, finalized his 
uh, sealed his uh, uh, victory there uh, in the sprint competition. And Vasilov, it was the last race of the season due to the, uh, the pandemic. So, of course, at the time we didn't know that, but um, it turned out to be the the last one, but it is a special special race, and we have a special po- podcast you can listen to the uh, the Vasalopet one uh, where I interviewed uh, Tommy Herklund, the sports director about Vasalopet, and uh, everybody knows about this race. There are so many stories about Vasalopet and Vasalopet. Uh, the history goes all the way back, and uh, and and so forth. But still, before we uh, move on to the the race that is probably the most important one. For you guys in Norway, uh, but why is Vasalopet so big? I mean, this is a question that's been asked so many times, but still, from your perspective, and I'm being a former athlete, why did you way back then or any, anyone else always have this particular race as kind of the season highlight, kind of like the, the world championship of long distance skiing? Uh, well, I think it's uh, it's a race with a with a long history, uh, and uh, it is uh, yeah. Until this year, it's uh, it has been the the longest race of them all, um, and uh, depending on the on the conditions, the skiers today they are out competing for four hours. But uh, you know, back in the days uh, when the when the tracks were not groomed as well as today, and uh, you know the skis were not as fast as uh, as they are today. They was they were out there the whole day, uh, and it was uh, quite a big challenge just to to come to the finish line. Uh, so I feel I think many skiers see the race as a, as a challenge, and you know with the combined with the history it has. Uh, and uh, for sure, it's uh, you know on the Vasalop Sunday, it's uh, I'm not exactly sure how many, but fifteen, sixteen thousand participants, and they are all starting at the same time, um, and it's quite spectacular to you know to see the to see the start line there with the uh, with fifteen, sixteen thousand skiers. Uh, in one big group uh, and, and as i said earlier to stand there in the in the first line it's uh, and you know that you have you have so many skiers behind you that's uh, that's uh, quite amazing um, and when you see the race on tv how how people stand for hours uh, at the bottom of the of the first climb just to to wait to get get started on the race um, so I think it's uh, it's a combination of the history um, how the race is looked upon as a you know a big challenge uh, and also you know it's a, it's a huge ski party uh, and for for those who love skiing it's it's fantastic to see so many people together competing in one race yeah it definitely has become an institution in in sweden and you mentioned the television and various uh tv uh the national tv of sweden they broadcast it it's a long uh, 
the whole day is devoted to this this race. And since in the, the first race, 1922, over 1.5 million participants have yeah. finished the race. So it's a, it's a huge number, uh, of course. And the course itself uh, isn't really, I mean, there's a first long climb, which is really top one, uh, but it's a, it's not really a gradual downhill, but of course, that's the highest point, 500, a little bit over 500 uh, meters above sea level. And then it goes down down all the way to Mura, which is about 200 or, or so. But there's always a climb before before you come to the service station. Uh, that's why they call it batteries, you know, you know, uh, Evitz Batty and, and Herc Batty and so forth and Ries Batty. Yeah. Uh, but I actually did the double uh, Basan uh, when I skied from um, Mura to Salen and back uh, to, to uh, 2019. And I realized that it's how much harder it is to go uh, the other way, the opposite direction, uh, because there's some really long climbs that are, of course, uh, downhill sections uh, in the actual race. But there is, of course, some kind of a magic in this race that it's uh, I used to do it myself so many times. Uh, and uh, it's it's hard to describe what really makes this race a special race. And Vasalopet is is Vasalopet. Uh, but now, before we move on to Birkebeinerennet, uh, let's listen to uh, Vasalopet hero uh, Daniel Tunnel and last year's uh, winner in the female competition, uh, Lina Kuskren. I'm Daniel Tunnell, former long-distance skier, uh, who were able to and honored to pass the finish line as number one uh, in Vasalopet uh, for three times. And during the career also did collect some podium places. So I guess you can understand how much Vasalopet actually means to me. It's so much I actually have. It's hard for me to, to describe it, uh, to find the right words. It's more than a race. It's something that... Uh, built my identity during the years uh, so big part of who i am today and what i became as a person of course something i'm really proud and grateful of uh, and i think the the professionality of the organization making a production around this race this 90k race and and this event is really important i think it's it's the role model for all kinds of ski races, especially the long distance ones, you always, as an organizer or a skier, compare with uh, Vasalopet and, and um, keep that, that as, as number one. Yeah, when it comes to the best tactical approach of Vasalopet, I want uh, to believe that uh, it's still possible to, to win by playing it the uh, offensive way, push uh, to the bottom of your sources, uh, skiing with your heart, uh, trying to do your attacks and sprints along the track and, and uh, pushing it hard in the, in the long uphills and finally being able to get your gap into the, the, the sprint and the finish line. I think it's uh, so beautiful. And, and still it seems like it's harder and harder, but I, I, I still dream and believe and hope it's, it's possible to do it that. So don't know if it's the best tactical approach, but uh, to stick into those kind of scenarios. This is Lena Korsgren, Team Ramudden, and uh, I was the winner of Vasalopet 2020 this year. I'm very glad and thankful that we could um, race Vasalopet this winter before the pandemic uh, came to us. 
and of course uh, we have also a little bit worry about the snow uh, because uh, when I race uh, one week before at Sjevasan between Oxberg and Mora it was a lot of rain and uh, many many warm degrees so me and the whole team and I think uh, everybody who compete at Vasalopet was uh, very glad and thankful for the snowing uh, who come um, who came uh, the night to Vasalopet Siemen Birkebeiner rennet, or Birken as it's called, or Birki, Berkey, uh, the American one, American Birkebeiner is called Berkey. Um, this, as Vasa Loppet, has a long history, the story also goes back to the uh, ancient times, basically. Uh, we're not going to touch upon the, the kind of the history side. You can read that uh, in our magazine, Bro uh, uh, XC Skiing, uh, kind of the origin of this, you know, the tale, you know, Pirken and Vasa Lopet. Uh, but the race, very different from Vasa Lopet. Now we really have some climbs here. Uh, well, walk us through this, this course. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's a total different, uh, different race uh, with a much, uh, much harder course profile uh, than, uh, than Vasa Lopet. Uh, and uh, for me, this is uh, this was this was one of my my favorite races, uh, and uh, I kind of like those races uh, where you get to use your capacity uh, or get rewarded for for a high capacity. Uh, and uh, the Birkebeiner is is definitely one of those races. Uh, you start uh, the first. 14 or 15 kilometers uh, going uphill uh, and then you have um, a short downhill uh, before you continue going up to the second mountain uh, where there's always uh, where's there where there's also the the first climbing point uh, at Rädfjelle so you know the first uh, first third of the of the race is almost only uphills uh, except for uh, for a little part there, so um, it's uh, it's definitely a hard start to the race. And uh, speaking of this race, I mean, last year uh, it was cancelled due to the you know Corona, you know the COVID nineteen pandemic. Uh, but the year before, that was an interesting race in twenty nineteen, as Peter Eliasen won, Andreas Nigor was second, but then. Guess who was third? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> uh, the guy who's uh, sitting, uh, not actually sitting next to me because you are in uh, in your home country, but Seaman, you were third uh, in the race. Uh, how did you feel to be in a podium after a, a race that's uh, on your home turf, so to speak? Uh, well, it uh, it always feel feel special to to make the podium in. Uh in uh, in this race uh for sure um but it's uh you know it's uh, i i think it's fun to race uh, races where <laughs> where the the whole uh, field kind of cracks into the smaller groups and uh Birkebeinen is 
is one of those races uh, where people are skiing together in uh, in small groups maybe yeah five to ten skiers uh, along the course um, and uh, yeah as I said I, I like uh, those kind of races and uh, of course <laughs> Petr Eliasson he was uh, he was so much better than us that day so he was far away in the, in the front but uh, uh, we skied together I think we were uh, six or seven skiers uh, in the second group um, and uh, you, you know it's always fun to to be part of a small group in the front uh, like that uh, and especially when you come towards the uh, the last third of the race uh, going up to Mittfjelle um, and over to Shushan it's always a lot of people uh, out in the tracks and sharing so yeah that was uh, that was a fun race and on the women's side of things uh, Justina Kovalchik won and that was her third consecutive victory Britta Johansson-Nogren was second and Astrid Ödes Lind third and these are the results from uh, 2019 Justina that's also quite amazing that she's been able to do that three times in a row why do you think that this this course suits her so well uh, because uh, the profile is uh, is so tough. Uh, you're going so many kilometers uh, uphill, uh, and uh, Justina, she she was the world's best cross country skier uh, when she was on top of her uh, of her career uh, with such a high capacity. Um, so I think uh, that's for sure the reason why she was was always so good good in this race uh because you, if you want to win this race you you need to have a really high capacity uh, it's not enough to be uh to be a good double pour so i think that's uh that's a key factor if you want to if you want to perform very well in in this race and there are no sprint points uh in this race but there's one climb climb point that's at 20 kilometers at the top of the route Fjellet. and um, yeah as you said it's uh, it's really a v- different type of type of race you know from Rena to Lillehammer um, what I kind of like to ask you about is we talked about Vasalopet and um, that being a really a popular and it's a like institution in Sweden uh, what about uh, this race Birken in your home country is it something that everybody knows and it's uh, as respected as as Vasalopet is in in Sweden uh yeah i think so uh at least uh, everybody that uh, likes to go skiing knows about uh, birkebeinerna uh, but there has been a been a decrease in participants uh, over the last years. Uh, it's uh, it's not so popular as it was back in yeah, 2011, 12, 13. Um, I think in the top years it it was around sixteen, seventeen thousand participants, um, and that has come down. Uh, quite a bit uh, the last years uh, even though there are still many many skiers uh, at the start line but um, hopefully we can we can see some changes uh, in that uh, in the years to come uh, but um, it's definitely a popular uh, popular race and 
I think uh, I don't know if if it is the biggest one. Uh, maybe Skyrvrenna uh, in end of April is bigger. Uh, but um, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, an important race uh, in Norway, in my opinion. And it's a 54-kilometer-long race, and Vasalopet is the 90-kilometer uh, race. One aspect we haven't talked about is the uh, the 3.5-kilo backpack that you guys need to carry. Everybody needs to carry, and that yeah. symbolizes the weight of the uh, the Prince Håkon, uh, the uh, you know the, the original Birkebeiners needed to carry uh, when they brought the that little prince to safety uh, in the 13th century. But that Probably gonna be a little bit of them because I did the race once way back in the uh, in the nineties, and and at that time we didn't have to carry that. It was one of those years where the elite skiers didn't need to carry carry the you know the the cargo so to speak. Uh, but does, does it bother you much when you racing when you have you have to carry because that's the only race you need to do that. Yeah, uh, it is, uh, and uh, I think among the. Among the elite skiers, it's a bit divided opinions about uh, about the backpack, uh, but uh, everybody knows they have to have to to bring the backpack over the mountain, and uh, so I, I wouldn't say bother too much, but you have to, you know, it's uh, it's standard procedure to to you know start training with the backpack uh, as soon as uh, Vasalop is finished so you know the in the two weeks between uh, the two races uh, everybody is uh, is out training with uh, with their backpacks uh, but of course it's uh, it makes the race uh, a bit heavier heavier to you know to have the three and a half kilos uh, on your back definitely so next, uh, you and I will take a small break and listen to uh, Peter Eliasen as uh, the the last, the 2019 winner, uh, as he tells us about the race and his thoughts about it. And then we'll talk about the new edition, Orefelklopet, and that actually a new one. It's a returning one. And that'll be an interesting one, a 100K race. But here's Peter Eliasen. Hello, my name is Peter Eliasson. I race for Team Meragde Eiendom. What makes Birken special is that it has a long history all the way back to 1932. It's one of our biggest races in Norway and a lot of people in Norway and other countries have been really motivated by this uh, race and um, the best tactical approach I think is to start uh, in a in a pace that you can hold because it's a long climb in the beginning. Other things you need to take into account when racing Birken is that you need to have a backpack with a certain contain and also a specific weight so you need to plan this before uh, you race. My own personal take on this race is that I think uh, this is one of our most beautiful races uh, the grooming is often perfect, the uh, tracks are wide and it's a fair race, I will say. Um, I really recommend it uh, to everyone that loves skiing. And uh, be sure to train a lot before you go to start. That's uh, my best advice. 
Seamen, now we go to Volodalen, uh, Sweden. A special place, at least special to me, because in 2016, this was the place when Erik Wikström and I, <laughs> and the Russian skier, uh, Denis Kapanen, we did the 24-hour 24 uh, 24-hour challenge, uh, just going around that start area. But Volodalen, Sweden, Orefersloppet, it's returning. Uh, this time around, uh, it'll be... 100k race, and this is certainly one of the toughest, toughest courses. There's a new course. Uh, it has two uh, sprint points uh, at Bolodalen. Uh, they make a loop and a Bolodalen at 12k. Uh, then uh, next one at 25k, Utscher, and then two climb points, kind of back to back. One, uh, the first one is at uh, 32 kilometers, Uttesvallen, uh, and then 39. At 39 kilometers, they have Ripkvalhöjden. Uh, trying to read the map here. And as I said, it's a 100k race. What do you, I mean, what's kind of your, I mean, you're not going to be racing it, uh, but kind of your thoughts on this. This is really a long distance. It's longer than Vasaloped. Tough course, uh, climbs. Truly a challenge. Yeah, uh, I'm glad I'm not uh, not racing it because it's uh, as you said it's uh, 10k longer than Vasaloppe, uh, and uh, looking at the course profile, it uh, it looks much tougher than uh, than Vasalop as well. Uh, I have done uh, Oidefield stop uh, sometimes, but uh, it has it has been a different course every year, I think. Uh, so I, I don't know the exact course uh, they are doing now, but I know from the previous years uh, when I did the race that it's uh, it's definitely some uh, some challenging uh, terrain up there, uh, and uh, as it looks on the on the profile, there are both steep and long uphills, uh, and you get them uh, all over the the course. Uh, you have some in the in the start in the, in the area around Volodal, uh, then you have some. Uh, Maybe the biggest one uh, in the midsection there uh, with the two climbs, uh, but then it's it also looks uh, quite tough uh, the last third of the race. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think definitely this will be a, a huge challenge for uh, for the athletes. I think it will be. Uh, but when you think about the the races in the past and the atmosphere of this particular race, how does it differ? from the other races or did differ way back then well it was uh it's it's i think it's a pretty new race uh it hasn't been for so many years uh and uh when i was racing it was the last race on the the calendar uh and sometimes you know the the motivation can be <laughs> Can be differing a little bit from uh, from the between the participants. Uh, some are motivated, uh, some are not so motivated, um, and we are uh, this year as well. It's uh, in the in the end of March. Uh, some may feel it has been a long season already. Uh, so doing a, a one hundred kilometer race uh, then can be can be tough. Um, but I, I really liked uh, the terrain there. 
you know, kind of narrow tracks uh, for some places there going through the forest. And uh, so I think it's, uh, I think it is uh, nice to see Oilfields drop back. Uh, and of course, it's easy for me to say uh, <laughs> because I'm not. I'm not racing, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, yeah, I thought, uh, even though when we raced, it was the longest one was 75 kilometers. Um, I thought that was long, uh, but, uh, it's, uh, it's a nice terrain. Um, the race uh, is going through. I was going to ask you about the, the, the fact that you just mentioned that, uh, some skiers may feel that it's it's a long race towards the end of the season. It's not even the last race. We no. still have uh, two more left that we're going to talk about very soon. The Reisterlöpe, which is also really a tough, tough race, a bit shorter one, but probably the toughest, the hardest uh, race uh, in the Pro Tour. And then Ulles Levy, which is also a long one, 70-kilometer race. So what do you think uh, that, that our skiers, the pro team athletes, how do they feel about having like two really long the Barcelona and this one uh, and uh, are they like really psyched you know excited about this and psyched about it and like, wow cool uh, or what's kind of when you have you talked to uh, your countrymen for example about it uh, I haven't talked to to anybody yet uh, because it's not so long ago that it was decided to to have oil fields up uh, on the calendar but I think uh, I think you will have some skiers that find it great to have a, such a long race um, on the calendar, while others they think uh, it's too long, uh, and maybe especially that late in the season. Um, I think if I was still skiing, uh, I would have thought it was was too long. Um, but you know that's that's because I I was never able to to handle those uh, those longest races. Uh, and as I said to you in the last podcast, I think when we were, when we t- talked about uh, the favorites, or was it uh, earlier in this one when we talked about the other races? Uh, I think you can get. Uh, a really interesting race with a short distance because uh, then people are willing to attack early um, and uh, when we get uh, so long a race as, as this one uh, may, maybe people will try to conserve as uh, much energy to the last third of the race as, as possible but uh, we'll see uh, it's uh, I think it is uh, it is interesting to to see how it turns out with uh, with such a long distance, and especially in, uh, in this type of terrain. Certainly, they are different kind of be- beasts, you know, the long and shorter races, and both are needed. Yeah. Uh, let's give the spotlight to uh, two former winners, Serena Boner and uh, Anders uh, Auckland, and he's the last this is his last victory and he's also the last winner of this race that was the one when the race finished and a really steep uh, almost a herringboning hell and uh, Auckland was able to 
uh, I think he was uh, going neck and neck uh, fighting against um, uh, Thura Seyedalen at that time. And he was able to just to sprint a tiny bit faster <laughs> and in that really steep, steep hill. And he won the race. So here's Anders Auckland. Hello, Anders Auckland here. Årefjells Loppe is one of my favorite races. It's a race that uh, have everything. It's uh, it's long, uh, and uh, long distance race should be long. And uh, this is also a race that have um, quite tough and hard uh, uphills and climbs. Not steep in as in a World Cup race, but uh, you move in beautiful nature over big mountains in uh, beautiful nature in the north of Sweden. Uh, you move over longer distance. I also like all the races in the end of the season. This year, I'm looking forward for uh, a long, hard and uh, beautiful race. Last year was in 2016. And that was also my last uh, race that I was on the top of the podium in a Visma Classic race. So I have good memories from Åre. I also won together with Jørgen, I think in 2013. It has always been one of my favorite races and uh, I'm looking forward to come this year and it will be long, hard and beautiful race. So, see you there. Siemen Reisteløpe, that's up north uh, in your country, in Norway, uh, as I said earlier, and many people have said that in the past uh, and still say that, that this is most likely the, the, uh, the most challenging and the, the hardest race. In this by six, yeah, it's uh, looking at uh, at the course profile. Uh, there is some uh, some uphills there that might take uh, the motivation away from uh, from everybody. Maybe except uh, except the guys, uh, the strongest guys with the highest uh, capacity. Um, but uh, I've done the race three times. Uh, I think it's a fantastic race uh, with a fantastic scenery. Uh, we have been lucky with the weather uh, all three years uh, with uh, no wind, uh, sun from a, from a blue sky. Uh, and uh, for sure, if you're unlucky with the weather, uh, it can be really challenging. Um, but... Uh, the way it has been the the three years I raced, it's been uh, you know the the photos uh, from the race has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, and uh, what separates uh, this race from from the other race uh, in uh, in the cup is uh, is that the course is is so tough and uh, and the uphills they are so steep uh, that uh, you know you need to consider whether to use kick wax or not uh, and uh, most of the most of the male uh, skiers they they tend to use kick wax uh, and uh, the race has been won using kick wax uh, all three years uh, and even though even though some some have double pulled. They have not been able to, you know, to to stay with the with the front group, uh, except from Petrelias and last year. Uh, he decided to to go without Kikwax, uh, only double pulling, and um, 
he was able to he lost a lot of time uh, in the first uh, uphill uh, but he was he was able to to close that gap in uh, in the downhills uh, after that and um, he was uh, he was together with the with the front group all the way to the to the last kilometer but uh, he was i think he had spent uh, most of his uh, power just to to stay with the group so uh, i don't remember his uh, his place but he was five six or something he was fifth fifth yeah and what's amazing about that is that he actually did a uh, red bull nudenschers lopet a week before the race that uh andres nigot won and and uh, uh and field uh, was second and he was 20 minutes behind uh, andreas there uh, and still have had energy left to do so well uh, but then by the time Ulas Levy uh, came along, he was completely dead, you know, beat. He was yeah. dead at that time. That was an uh, interesting year because, uh, of course, as Pirken, Reisteloepe and Ulas Levy, uh, these three races were cancelled uh, last season. But Mikael Gunnufsen won the race. Uh, Johan Hörl was second and Erik Valnes uh Famous names now, Gunnufsen and, and Valnes performed so well at the World Cup opening and Gunnufsen was supposed to be racing uh, in Ruka when the World Cup season started. And uh, on the women's side, Astrid Rislind won. Uh, this is one of her favorite races. Mashako Ishida uh, did well and she has uh, won the race in the past. And Anna Svensson uh, was third. So it also suits me, uh, Ishida really well. She's a good uh, diagonal strider. So this is a race for diagonal striders uh, using kickwacks. Yeah, d- yeah, definitely. Uh, and um, you know the those two there are there are two long appeals. Um, and uh, the first one that's the, that's the longest. It's it's so steep for so long. Uh, that it's it's hard to believe before uh, before you have uh, you have seen it, uh, and uh, when when the conditions are good and it's you know it's when it's quite easy to to get the grip on your skis, uh, you will lose so much time uh, double pulling up there, uh, and but you know the trouble can be if if it's um you know a, a high temperature difference uh, between the the lowest point and the highest point uh, because that will create uh, create trouble with the with the kickwacks uh, but that hasn't been the the situation for the three years uh, the race has been part of the Wismaski classics but uh, maybe if if that will if that will happen this season, we will see more skiers choose to double pull. That could, because this is so late in the season. Uh, it's on April 10th. Yeah. It's this season, and uh, even a week later, is Ulles Levy. So we, this is going to be a long, long season. And this race uh, has uh, one sprint point uh, at the beginning, pretty much at the beginning, at 5K, uh, Sturlamura, and then uh, one climb competition point at Uta at 14 uh, kilometers but as you said it it is really a tough race beautiful surroundings up north close to Tromsø and uh, if you haven't been there I'm certainly urging and recommending it 
uh, you should go there, uh, check it out, the rays and the surroundings, and there's always so much snow, uh, definitely different kind of atmosphere. Uh, and uh, let's listen to uh, uh, two Reistelepe um, winners, uh, Masako Ishida and Astrid Reyes Lind, and find out uh, what they think about this particular hard, challenging race. Hello, this is Masako Ishida, and uh, I won the latest Lope 2018. For me, the latest Lope is number one. Yes. Always uh, you have to suffering. I think uh, um, I'm a good climber, actually. My body uh, really fit for uphill, uphill races. It's really nice competition. Yeah, because uh, if you can finish this really tough 50 kilometer, will get um, also satisfied by yourself. Also get uh, very happy from your heart. You can uh, enjoy this uh, so great nature. Hi, it's uh, Austri here. Um... And I just want to say that Race de Lope is one of my favorite races. I think um, it's a real badass race. The race profile, it's so much harder. And with the first Askins of like 500 altitude meters on 8Ks, it feels like hitting a wall. Um, the, this makes makes the double pole and kick wax debate uh, go crazy. <laughs> uh, you never know what people will pick and do and what you're stuck with under your skis kind of um, sets the, the speed from start too because the double pullers want to go really hard in the beginning and maybe pull away from the kick waxers and the kick waxers want to go really fast in the uphill so it's in high pace all the way and yeah I am um, I enjoy that it's tough and I'm kind of scared of it too. <laughs> Then finally, the last race, the Grande Finale, Ullas uh, Levi, in my home country, Finland. This is a race that a lot of skiers really love. Even like Andreas Nigord says that this is his favorite race. And I'm, of course, so happy to have a race like this, uh, promoting uh, Lapland, the Finnish Lapland, to have a big race in Finland. It's promoting long distance skiing, Bispaski Classics. Uh, in my home country, but not just that, but all over the world, you know, bringing these, you know, postcard images uh, into the world. But your thoughts on this relatively new race? And I remember the first one as I was the race director and I remember all the, all the trouble we had to go through and all the, you know, mishaps and hiccups, but we were able to pull it off, pull it off. And it was a great race. Yeah, it uh, it definitely has been a great race for uh, for those years. It has been on the calendar, uh, and uh, this is also a pretty long race, uh, seventy kilometers. Um, the last race in the season, uh, so people are maybe getting tired um, after a long season. Uh, but what what I think is is great is you know skiing and racing at this time of the year uh we are in the in the mid of april um and it's very often nice weather 
it's getting warmer uh it's it's not dark uh when you're on the start line um so i think it's uh you know with this special year it is this year uh we have a lot of races in the in the last part of the season uh, and i think that's great because uh, the conditions are often best uh, at this time of the year uh, especially when you get up to to the northern parts of uh, norway and uh, and finland so um i think it's uh it is a challenging race um it's quite hilly uh, the first half uh, some uh, some tough uphills uh, and then you have yeah you're you're going a couple of miles you know flat um in the in the last third of the race and uh you know it's uh even though it's flat then it's then it's no rest and uh if you are starting to get tired that that's definitely uh a tough part of the course so last year the race didn't take place but in 2019 it must have been a special kind of one for you guys to at that time you uh, represented a team b and bank and your teammate Austin petterson was on a podium uh, he won the first race of the season and he was second in the last race of the season uh, andreas nigort won that was also a special race for him as he pretty much showed all of us that approved uh, that he is capable of winning a race uh, by himself not just sprinting out but uh, doing a breakaway and and he won the race and Evi Muenfield was third. That was his first and so far uh, the only podium place. And Astrid uh, Celine won the uh, women's competition, followed by Lina Kuskren and Britta Johansson Nogren. But going back to that, Oistin must have been cool for your for the whole team. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's uh, it's always nice uh, to to finish off the season with the. Uh, with a strong result uh, for the team, uh, and uh, especially the way the way things things ended up for us uh, after that race. Uh, that said, said we we were not sure uh, that this was the last race uh, for our team, uh, so uh, I I hadn't planned it to be my last uh, at least. So. Uh, I didn't think of I think of it uh, in that way uh, when we were up there, but uh, I think Eistan he he knew that he was gonna step down uh, one step at least. Uh, so for him it was it was great to to finish off with a uh, with a podium there. And it was also a very emotional one for uh, Peter Eliasen in 2017 because at the time he knew that he was going to retire. And he had tears in his eyes when he finished. And then he announced his retirement. Uh, of course, he's back now. And it wasn't a long retirement. But at the time, he was thinking that, okay, this is it. My career is over. And then he won the race. Uh, and uh, and the gala, you know, we always, not always, but, you know, since the last uh, uh, three years, uh, it, uh, two years, we have had, you know, their gala night, you know, the they banquet. Over there, yeah, nice that, for that too. Yeah, and that's uh, I think everybody thinks that uh, thinks that uh, that is a really nice way to to finish off the season. Um, I have enjoyed it uh, those two years I've been there, uh, and um, 
hopefully we'll be able to 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 have a banquet uh, this year as well or this season we'll see if that's going to happen but uh, this race also has two actually one new one two climb points uh, Keskin and Lucky uh, eight, at 8 kilometers then the Kukastundri the same old that's always been there at 22 kilometers which is a really there's a really nice beautiful view from that from the top of the Kukastundri and the one sprint point and I guess Lombolo the same old on, on the lake and as you said it's a really a nice course that pretty much has everything long climbs nice flat parts uh, representing the kind of the finished lapland you can spot some uh, wild animals and some reindeers while you are skiing there so definitely this is a race everyone should do and, and enjoy and just to finish the season season there and uh, let's Listen to the podium skiers, the ones we talked about, Andreas Nigod, Oisten Pettersen, and Eivind Muenfeld. And um, just hear what they want to say about Ullas Levi. Ullas Levi is uh, one of my favorite races of the Wismar Ski Classic uh, season. Maybe the favorite. Uh, I think it has a really good um, profile, uh, having uh, some hills, uh, some longer flat, flat parts, and uh, uh, a nice course with beautiful scenery and uh, and uh, town finish, which uh, makes the crowds come out. So, so um, uh, Levi is uh, is a beautiful ski race and. And of course, I have done quite well there, so that's also uh, reason for it. And and it also comes uh, at the in the part of the season that is really good for skiing. Uh, in uh, in early April, it's uh, often nice weather. Uh, the sun is uh, going high on the sky, in the sky, and it's uh, warmer temperatures. Uh, so Ilesleve um, uh, is uh, is. Uh, uh my favorite race in in the Wismaski classic so um, hope to see you all there uh in uh, april of 2021 Terve. andreas here uh, honestly uh, i have to say that illes levi is my favorite race on the whole pro tour uh it is quite long and challenging you have both the flatter parts and the hills and the downhills and usually it's uh, amazing weather in Lapland at that time of the year and at the same time I'm usually in uh, quite good shape also so uh, for me I must say that Illeslevi has been the nicest race of all the last two three years and I'm uh, really looking forward coming up there this year again and hopefully I can uh, repeat some of my previous races and uh, I wish the organizers all the best and I think uh, and hope a lot of recreational skiers will see this as an uh, amazing opportunity for a long and uh, nice way to end uh, a hopefully nice season so uh, best of luck and uh, see you in April this is Einstein Pettersen, the humble 
and very happy skier from Norway. I was uh, second at uh, Ullas Levy in 2018. I think I've been top 10 every time I've done the race. And I love the course. I love uh, the scenery. I love uh, the atmosphere. It's, um, it's a really tough and final test for us long distance skier at the end of a long season with a, a competition through the Finnish nature. It's, um, I love the fact that it's long and it's hilly in the beginning and then you have a long flat part and then it's really, uh, the last, the final 10 K is really tough. And then you finish in the center of, uh, Levy where you have everything you need for a good, uh, after party. So Ullas Levy is one of my favorite races. And now, uh, when I'm done with the competitional skiing myself, I'm really looking forward to bringing my family to Ilas Levy and to both do the race and enjoy everything that Levy has to offer. So, Seaman, when you kind of look back of all these races that we are going to have, all 11, 11 events or uh, races, including the um, Protein Tempo, your quick summary of the upcoming season? Uh, well, uh, there, there will be, a, this will be a different season uh, for sure with, uh, with the pandemic. Uh, and uh, it has been changed from, from the original plan. Uh, but uh, I think the way the calendar looks now, now uh, if we are able to, to go through with all the races, uh, I think it will be a, a really good season. Uh, there are many, many interesting uh, races coming up. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it will be, it will be, uh, challenging for, uh, for the athletes, I think, uh, many races back to back, uh, in January and February. Uh, then there's, a there's a short period of, uh, rest or, or training, most likely training. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, with the Orifjellsloppe. Uh, coming in, uh, there will be uh, there will be a lot of uh, nice races uh, in the last part of the season as well. So um, I think we're going to have a a really interesting uh, season coming up for sure. And just a quick recap on the uh, category winners for, from last season: so the champions, Andreas Nikord. Team Ragdayen Dombrit, the Johansson Nugren Lager 157 ski team, the sprint competition, Stian Berg, uh, the team Café Brugeriet, Lina Kuskren, uh, Team Ramudden, the climb competition, your former teammate, uh, Mutnede Pedersen, uh, who represented Team Café Brugeriet, and now he's a Team Nordic athlete, that his new team, he's a captain there, and Britta Johansson Nugren uh, won the climb competition, and youth, both these skiers are from Team Ramunden, Max Novak, and Ida Dahl. Those were the uh, category of the competition winners. And uh, thank you very much, Seaman, once again from your, uh, your your for your insight, comments, and it'll be an interesting season for you and me commentating. Uh, Definitely, I'm I'm excited. I'm psyched about it. And uh, new races. I'm really. It's, it'll be cool to see how the you know the RFL slope it will you know turn out to be and uh, as all the other races and I think it'll be an interesting and compelling 
exciting. Any more adjectives? <laughs> season, season. Uh, let's hope that it'll turn out to be, uh, you know, a good one. Of course, we can't really do anything about the um, current situation except hope for the best. Uh, but I think, you know, it'll happen. It's, it's going to be a good one. So once again, thank you very much, you know, for being here, talking to me. And I want to thank you people out there listening. Get ready for the new season and remember to exercise. And if you haven't signed in for any of these races yet, there's still time to do it. Uh, join the fun, join the family and stay healthy. Stick around. More episodes to come. And for now, bye-bye. Bye. This podcast is a W Sports Media production.